Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. In this first episode of season three, I welcome Naeem Adam. Naeem and I went to high school together back in the day, but today Naeem is an entrepreneur. He's co-founded Canada's largest restaurant festivals, the Burger Week, the Poutine Week, and the Pizza Week. Naeem also shares uh, an exciting project that he's currently working on. It's called DineTab. DineTab is an NFT loyalty platform for restaurants, events, and festivals. In this episode, Naeem and I talk about our experiences with being bullied in high school and how that forced us to become resilient and find light. However, we also share how that bullying caused us to repress parts of ourselves and hide in the dark. Towards the end of the episode, Naeem shares exciting news about this non-for-profit music and wellness festival that he's co-founded called Anatha Fest. It's based in Quebec. It's an annual festival. I will also be giving a self-love workshop at this festival. So please check out anathafest.com. If you want to find Naeem, he's available on Instagram at naeem.adam or his website, naeemadam.com. And I really hope you enjoy this episode. And if at the end, if you could leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. All right, Naeem, uh, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Uh, super grateful for you to come on here and have this conversation with me today. Uh, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about. Um, but yeah, before we get started, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and tell the listeners what it is that you do. Um, and you know, some of the stuff you're doing is really exciting and the space you're working in is very unique. So I want to give listeners an opportunity to hear about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for having me here. It sounds like we have, uh, it's like a little high school reunion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, that's, that's something I don't know if, uh, if, if we got a chance to mention, but, uh, we went to high school together. Yes, we did. Um, which is like, what, we graduated like 22 years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a long time (laughs) ago. Yeah, yeah, high school, I was 12, so close to like 27 years ago, we started high school. Yeah, wow. Uh, wow, that is crazy to be like reconnected with somebody from like a different past. Like, you know, it's, it's just, it, it kind of, it, we met like a couple of days ago and we had some coffee in Montreal and and like, uh, you know, when, when you sit in front of somebody that reminds you of that phase, you kind of go through things, which is really interesting um and uh it's kind of a lot of things are brought up and and you know you kind of like remember and and go through these these moments but uh before we get into that i'll i'll, I'll give you a quick uh, explanation of what's up on my side so sure um i uh i i've been really passionate about the restaurant industry for i mean i, I would say like since college it just really really got stuck on on me and like i grew a huge passion for it mainly because uh i was so close to my mother who always kind of kept me in the kitchen and we i grew such a uh, great respect for food um mm-hmm. that way and um uh, and and my and I kind of like saw how happy people are around food and how pe- happy people are when they come kind of gather around each other. 
And um, that's something I really wanted to kind of develop and, and, and work on. And like my favorite thing in the world is going to a restaurant that's busy, that's happy. Yeah. Um, and if I can help them get to that place, like I feel so good. And so like, that's like that, you know, that happiness factor that I'm always trying to achieve. So I created these um, festivals, the restaurant festivals that go across Canada um, one's around, uh, and there, uh, one's around burgers. Another one's around poutine, uh, Quebec uh, delicacy, and yeah. uh, third one is uh, around pizza. And uh, they've been going on for ten years. Um, quite a, you know, it was started off as like a really fun hobby, and it grew into um, a real, a real business. And I think our passion was there. And uh, you know, if you kind of move consistency, uh, consist- consistently, sorry, and um, you know, great things happen, especially if it's authentic. And yeah. um, so we developed those festivals. And um, now I am also working in the Web3 space where we're trying to help restaurants leverage the Web3 space with NFTs. And I really see like a bright future for restaurants and NFTs. You, you can look at it as like restaurants selling digital merch yeah. and, you know, giving them an extra revenue flow um to to kind of sustain uh, a, a very a, you know difficult business yeah and giving them that opportunity to kind of like strive a little bit uh more and try to reach more and focus on what they love a little bit more so um it's really been like technology bringing people together community and restaurants for uh, i would say the last 10 15 years yeah yeah no thanks for sharing that and um i guess i didn't really f- fully appreciate how you know it does bring happiness when you're when you're out with your friends or family uh grabbing a nice meal at a restaurant it, it is a good feeling so you know it, it's important that you stress that as well I, and i guess on the nft side like how like do you feel like there's a certain level of loyalty from customers that would bring them uh towards that space where they would want to acquire an M- nft from their favorite restaurant like how do you see that model working yeah, it's, um, I mean, you know, it, we're so early in the phase and one of the sayings in, in the industry um, and other small businesses and all kinds of businesses are soon going to have no choice to like adapt the NFT and Web3 kind of models for their businesses. Um, it's very similar to how, you know, these businesses had no choice to jump on social media, even though there was a reluctance to kind of do so um, when, when they first emerged like 10, 10 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, uh, it's going to be important for them to adapt it. We're definitely very early in the space, so it's hard to tell exactly how it's going to shape out. Um, but, uh, it's, it's like, uh, I think that restaurants are going to have an opportunity to kind of attract new customers, yeah. uh, with something fun like NFTs. Uh, I think restaurants will have a chance to kind of reward their current customers with NFTs as well. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be in communication with them. It's like you, you also get a chance to identify your customers. So um, if, uh, you know, you have like a high roller coming into your restaurant every week and spending so much money, but you, you just don't know who they are. Yeah. You have no way of contacting them. You just kind of show up and you're like, yeah, they're here, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know? Um, this way it's like, Hey, here's a special NFT for you. Uh, it's only for those who spend like X amount of money. Now I can communicate with that person. And if you have special events, you can reach out to them and stuff like that. And then there's the opportunity. I got to share you a story. Like there's this coffee shop that, um, 
uh, had a water pipe uh, issue and, um, you know, they had to close down and in order to kind of sustain their business, they just kept all their, their regular payments as if they were open. So paying customer, I mean, paying their employees, rent, yeah. um, utilities, everything. Um, and on top of it, they had the expenses of fixing this issue to, to do as well, but I, and, and they were closed for a month. And I thought, you know, if, if they had the opportunity and if they were able to leverage the power of NFTs, they would be able to sell these NFTs, help them with cash flow, And then all those people who bought these NFTs, they would just be rewarded with coffee uh, when they open up again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of like offering that ability and that flexibility to businesses to um, just do better business. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Um, and I think it's definitely a new space where we're entering and, and I'm glad you guys are also bringing in the restaurants along. Um, but yeah, I guess to shift the conversation, what I really wanted to also understand was your interest in mindfulness. And, you know, when we met for coffee a few days ago, you mentioned that, you know, your wife and yourself, you did a retreat. So, you know, I, I guess you would identify yourself as an entrepreneur, but why is mindfulness important for you? Yeah, I think, I think in the business space, I definitely, you know, um, identify myself as an entrepreneur, but I, I think I would say I was like, I'm either a conscious entrepreneur or a mindful entrepreneur. <laughs> I don't know what it's called, you know, but um, I think like every morning when I wake up, I'm not like, oh, yes, I got to be an entrepreneur today. Actually, no, I'm like, you know what, I hope I have, a, you know, a, a day that starts with love, peace, and you know like courage and courage is maybe sometimes associated to being an entrepreneur um but uh it's definitely something that i probably had in me my whole life um but i wasn't in touch with it as much you know Mm -hmm. like through through um culture and religion in my home growing up through martial arts uh which took a very big part of my life and then um now, like uh, after kind of meeting my wife, who's all been you know very spiritual from day one, uh, introducing me to things, and slowly like I've kind of like found my own path through to it and seen the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to apply it to to everything I do. Like um, so, yeah, we did we did go to uh, it was it was um, it was an uh, it was a resort, but it was it was like a resort retreat kind of uh, hybrid. Yeah, uh, concept uh, where my son was there too, you know, but like there was no buffets. Uh, it was vegan food. Very, um, they tried very hard to be like uh, eco-friendly in terms of waste and all kinds of ways. And um, it, it, I mean, that was just, that was something fun, but we do the work as well. You know, if yeah. you know what I mean? Of course. Like, um, and that, that was kind of like, we appreciate that lifestyle and I think it I think it brings a lot of happiness to us and a lot of perspective and a lot of gratefulness which I think is important for sure for sure and and I guess um thanks for sharing that but how has mindfulness helped you like especially in the day-to-day um and and the work you're doing I feel like for most of us there's this level of frustration that comes especially when we don't see results or we don't get the outcome expecting and or the results we desired for ourselves it's easy to get frustrated and especially in uh, the industry you're working in or even as an entrepreneur there's quite often um, a lot of things that are outside of your control 
So how do you use mindfulness and to ground yourself and, and keep that level head? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. And um, it's, it, it, there's no like answer that says, here's the solution now go. And it's not like doing a bench press, you mm -hmm. know, like you go and do bench, you, you are going to get like, you know, pectoral muscles. Like it's just how it works. Um, the mind is a muscle and the more you train it, the more it will become uh, kind of accustomed to being in certain situations, but our thoughts are not a muscle. Mm -hmm. Our thoughts are consciousness. Our thoughts are, you know, our ego, our thoughts are these floating things are, are not even real. <laughs> so it's hard to um, control them. And uh, what I feel that mindfulness is, is a practice that helps you kind of do the work to be able to control um, these thoughts that come in that could hinder you in your day or in your work or in your mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's how that's how I like to use it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and I think what people don't necessarily appreciate, like in your example, even bench pressing, you're not going to get the results right away. You have to be consistent and stick with it. For some reason, I think people are able to remain consistent and, and positive with the, the physical stuff, but not so much the, the stuff that you don't really see, which is obviously your brain and your mind. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's super true. And I think when you're developing habits, it's very important that you're able to kind of see what kind of progress you're making. Mm -hmm. um, so you need that positive reinforcement to come from the work that you're doing. And when you're doing something that's mindful, it's hard to see like a progress coming for you to stick to it. Um, but there's a practice that, you know, we often some, like we will see or we'll stumble upon. What I like to do is really kind of, um, you, you know, kind of scan the state you're in, in at one moment, do the practice and then scan the state you are in another moment, like, mm -hmm. or afterwards. Mm -hmm. And you're often able to see, okay, there is a difference here. Now, yeah. stillness, stillness alone is so powerful. The ability to just be still and silent is so powerful and it can change complete direction, mood, emotions, thoughts. And so you just recognize, okay, I'm really flustered right now. I'm really feeling anxious. Um, tell yourself and be okay with it, you know, mm -hmm. because everybody is. Just tell yourself that's how you feel right now. Get into that you know, whatever mindful exercise you're about to get into, whether it's breathing or meditation, do it and then tell yourself again how you feel, mm. you know? And once you start to kind of like see that difference, at least for me, then I start to say, okay, this is working and I'm going to keep yeah. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. Um, and, and I guess this kind of brings us to uh, what we wanted to discuss and you touched on earlier, like from high school and stuff. And um, yeah, actually, when I came to that high school, I didn't really know anyone because uh, I didn't go to the one that all my elementary school friends went to. Um, so you were one of the first people that I actually met. I remember very vividly, like, uh, the, I think, sec one, you 
uh, I think there's a bunch of new kids and uh, you yeah. were one of the first ones I met. But I guess that high school journey was very interesting um, and we touched on it offline, but the whole aspect of bullying and that how that impacts you and and then as you get into your adult life, there's, I feel we, and this may not apply to everyone, but we quite often are still overcompensating for those experiences in different ways. Uh, I know I have, but I just want to get your thoughts and, and, you know, what was your experience like being on that end as well? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, in retrospect, we didn't go to like a great elite <laughs> high school. <laughs> no. You know, like it, I see like kids now, like around me with parents and stuff, and I see their kids and in, in which schools they are. And there's no doubt in my mind that there's still bullying going on. Yes. But um, what a difference, you know, and like our school, like was was a public school and, you know, average neighborhood and it was just big. So everyone went there. But I, I agree. I, I definitely, you know, got caught up in, in a lot of that. And I think a lot of my life was almost evolving around the, the, the trauma, you know, from, yeah. from bullying. And like, it, 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 I, I remember like one of, one of my heroes is George St. Pierre and I, and like, it's funny, he lives not far from, from our neighborhood. So I see him all the time and I never say anything to him, but like I see him and he's like a constant reminder of like what you can achieve as being bullied and, and stuff. But he's also a reminder of that compensation that you told me about, you know, that you just mm -hmm. mentioned. Yeah. Like he, like he was super bullied and then all of a sudden he turns into like, the, you know, <laughs> the best fighter in the universe. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, okay, there's a correlation there for sure. And like there, there is in high school was, I find high school was rough because people I thought were my best friends were actually bullying me. And people who were my teachers that I was hoping for them to protect me were also bullying us, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and, and you start to lose trust. And once you lose trust in, in the world and people, uh, you start to lose guidance and you start to lose an opportunity of being your best self also. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty rough, uh, rough thing to go through as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, I'd like to give the teacher some credit, maybe they didn't know how to handle it. They obviously weren't giving, given the tools. Um, I think back then, maybe as part of their training, they weren't educated on how to handle bullying. It's just one of those things. What do you do, right? Like, I feel like some of the kids were just mean. And as a teacher, uh, I, I look, I, I personally don't, I personally don't like that excuse where yeah. like the teachers could have, and that's, that's, you know, I feel like the teachers put in a position and they need to know how, and like, yeah. I understand that, like, I understand why, like, I understand this, you know, people need to be educated stuff yeah. um, in all kinds of stuff in, in, in gender discrimination, racial discrimination. Like, it's like, oh, but the guy is from, you know, that, that man is from the old times. Well, no, too bad. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's cool though, that we're able to forgive, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's, that I buy, like, yeah. we're, we're, we're okay. You and I, we forgave and we moved on. Mm -hmm. but I don't, I'm not going to dismiss that they 
you know, oh, they didn't get the education they needed. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I guess the re- part of it, what I was uh, getting at too was that the, the teachers themselves got bullied, right? I remember there was some really nasty incidents. Oh my uh, God, you're from, so right. From our high school. So I think maybe the teachers were afraid to even speak up because they're like, well, if I'm going to step in here, I'm a target now. So you're so right. It, wow. That's just, I remember our homeroom teacher. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he, wow. I wish I can reach out to him and just like kind of give him a hug on behalf of like our class. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, wow. He, he, he couldn't even teach us. Yeah. He, he couldn't even teach us. And I, now I see your perspective because like some other teachers said, oh, okay. Well, if I side with the bullies, if I'm like cool with them, I will gain their respect and in consequence I will also gain the fear of those who are fearing the bullies and have some kind of order in the yeah, class perhaps you yeah know? yeah I mean there's many many different ways to look at it um but I guess for for yourself we should we should get we should get one of those teachers on here <laughs> yeah I don't know if they're still around but uh definitely um Mr. Pagliotti, was that it? I I can't remember. Um, I mean, I... I don't know, it just popped in my head. I see his face. Poor guy. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's uh, some some very bad incidents I remember uh, where one teacher's, I think even her classroom door was spray painted with racial slurs. But but yeah, no, I think, like, kind of coming back to, to you and I, like, how were you able to, like, I know you mentioned that obviously it impacted you, you lost trust. Uh, I think part of what happens also is we start creating this belief about ourselves where, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, maybe I am this way. Maybe there is some truth to it. Um, Maybe. And I think part of the bullying also occurs around your kind of physical looks and that's not something Mm -hmm. you can change. Um, So, so yeah, how, were you able to navigate that as you got into adulthood and, and, you know, beyond that? Well, I mean, right away, right after high school, I thought like being Brown, being raised Muslim uh, was wrong. I thought like, okay, that's not how you're, that's not how you're going to succeed in life. So right away I was like, okay, let's try to become as white as possible. Mm. Um, You know, so letting go, like that kind of identity was, was definitely like, you know, the first thing I think that that happened automatically without me even realizing Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, disassociating myself to the culture, to the traditions, to the food, to to everything, Mm -hmm. you know, because I thought it was, it was because, yeah, it was a lot of the bullying, like you said, was based on like who you are as a, as a person without any, you know, like just because this is how you're born into the world. Yeah. and uh, and then after that, I think, um, you know, like, I, for me, it was always like, why couldn't I stand up for myself? Like, mm-hmm. why couldn't I? And I remember certain instances where I did, but it didn't really help, you know, either. Mm-hmm. And so, like, why couldn't I do that? And then why? And then and then you start to have like this, you know, maybe I'm not strong enough. Maybe maybe I don't have the courage, maybe, you know, like, and you kind of go through that. I don't know if you kind of went through or what you, you know? 
Yeah, I think what, uh, again, I didn't really put a lot of thought in. I, I, well, I did, I have, but it's interesting to always get another perspective. And I guess, yeah, being brown was uh, definitely something I, I also struggled with because it's, it's different than I feel like other scenarios uh, in our case, and I don't know about you, but my parents were first generation or like they were immigrants. So I was first generation in a way. And yeah, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't understand <clears throat> the level of bullying I went through as a kid because they hadn't experienced it. So it was almost like, well, I don't know how to explain it to you guys. <laughs> so I almost felt alone. And there was like really no community for me to be go back to go to and be like, hey, are you guys also experiencing this? And it's not something I knew how to do as a kid as well. So, so you're right. Like there's parts of me that I almost kind of gave up my identity or I told myself that, you know, the less brown I act, the less I would get bullied. And, and to your point, if, if I did ever try standing up for myself, I would get ganged up on or it'd be even worse. So it was almost, yeah, exactly. It was almost easier to accept it or try to change parts of myself and either look different, talk different, fit in in different ways. I think for me, one of the things I adopted was, hey, if I make everyone laugh, maybe mm -hmm. they'll accept me. So, yeah, I tried to become the class clown. There's many, many ways I tried to adapt um, over the years. And uh, I think until I didn't fully accept myself for who I am I wasn't really able to be comfortable and and that identity mm. crisis was there but yeah it's and and we don't have the maturity at that point to be like looking at each other in the hallway and being like yo I feel you mm -hmm. and that's because at that time you know like regular like media pop culture wasn't kind of talking about this kind of stuff like today mm -hmm. you know you'll see like tv shows about that portray bullying drug use parental abuse like racial discrimination and like all that stuff and it starts to come out and people start to develop an empathy towards that mm -hmm. but back when we were growing up it was like gangster rap and like <laughs> you know um like you know just being funny was the key like i remember like you know and and so we didn't have that knowledge to be like, hey, Furkan, I see you. And I see you as you are, you know, and, and I feel you, you know, like we didn't have that no. ability to do that. And we no. were side by side most of the time. Yeah. Well, I think it, it was also about survival, right? And it's like, I need to survive, you know, and it's probably on a subconscious level, but it's like, I can't help anyone. I'm trying to help myself here. <laughs> trying to, yeah. you know, breathe here, get the oxygen mask for myself first before I can even think about anyone else. Oh man, yeah, it was, yeah. It, I, I think everybody, you know what? I, I look, I'm thinking back now and I'm, and I'm reflecting and I feel like everybody was bullied in some way. Yes. You know, like even the bullies themselves, they were like, I can only imagine their situations at home you know, um, and everybody was compensating in some way. And for some people, like you say, for you, um, a way to compensate or to, to, to kind of break through from that was to be funny. Well, for others, a way to break through something even worse or not worse, but like, I don't know, like something else mm -hmm. uh, was to be a bully. Yeah. 
you know um and that's just you know just just how it goes and and like even the bullying what kind of you know response were they getting well they were getting laughter you know they were and and everyone's seeking love like yeah. everybody is only seeking love and we all try to get it in, in different and, and weird ways yeah yeah it's the uh jay shetty uses this quote from russell barkley quite often he's uh he says uh the people that need the most love ask for it in the most unloving ways um and that can't be any true right so um and um I, I, yeah there's so much truth behind that but so so i guess naeem like for yourself when were you able to like break through it i know you mentioned like you know going into college and stuff uh it was like, okay, well, very similar to myself. How do I move, remove myself from this identity that's obviously created a lot of anxiety and problems for me? Um, but at what point were you like, you know what, this is who I am, and it's accepting it. Dude, 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 I'm still, I'm still, I'm still going through it, man. I think like, I mean, I'm not like going through the wounds of the bullying from high school, like but I'm definitely still going through figuring out who I am. Mm. And I don't think that's a journey like that ever stops because we're, we're constantly evolving and changing. And I think we just got to feel at home and home is like, you know, heart, love, like family, like you just, you know, once you get that feeling of I'm home, then, um, and you kind of trust the process uh, and where you're going to go and you try to be as authentic as possible in that process and, and be in the moment as much as possible, then I think you're, you're just kind of going on the right path. But I mean, that that's, but to, to kind of like pinpoint some certain moments, I think mm -hmm. in high in university in CJAP, I started like accidentally maybe kind of hanging around just smart people. Mm. um and they start to value intelligence they start to value learning and that's what like was valuable like you can be the funniest dude but like no no Jim Carrey joke is gonna like you know kind of like give you any kind of credit like you know yeah. it was like you had to read you had to learn like and 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 so I kind of fell into that crew and I end up you know studying philosophy as well and um, I would, and I think it kind of helped me elevate and use my mind more. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started like, uh, you know, kind of really focusing on that. And, and, um, and then I started realizing that I was good at kind of bringing things together, yeah. uh, developing ideas, concepts, and I started working on that as well. And I started to see like, okay, that's where people also like, like, like me in a way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. we look for that external validation a lot when we're young. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and I think it, in higher education, people are there because they want to be there. Um, so, so I, yeah, the, the bullying aspect is less common in those scenarios. I, I don't recall any mm -hmm. of that in university, uh, which is good because then you're kind of able to focus on education and the reason why you're there to begin with. Um, I guess as we come to an end here, is there any message or anything you'd like to pass on 
um, for people that might be going through bullying, whether in their current life or if they've experienced it in the past? Um, and, and how would you like to use your platform to kind of bring awareness around that? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, in terms of giving advice uh, to anyone who's getting bullied, well, you know, like it, you need to, you need to kind of reach out to somebody. Like you need to, you need to speak and not mm -hmm. be afraid to speak. And I think that first step is going to lead you into the right direction. And it's mm -hmm. not going to solve overnight. You're not going to speak to someone and then boom, the bullying stops. But the more you get accustomed to reaching out to someone and speaking about it, the outlet, the venting of that whole experience mm -hmm. is going to have like this flow that you'll be able to use and leverage instead of um, doing things that you might regret later on. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people kind of move into a different direction where they need to feel like they need to escape the yeah. reality of the world when they believe. Mm -hmm. And that's when you start to kind of go into drugs or like different environments. Um, and, but most importantly, as parents, if you have kids, I, I think the most important thing to do is to make them feel loved no matter what, mm -hmm. because as soon as they feel that once they feel, once they need to reach out to somebody, they will come to you and not be afraid of you and be afraid of your judgment on them instead of going to other friends, instead of going to other people um, where you can't control and, and you don't know. And then those people might be in a similar situation where they all start to kind of solve their problems using like external things, like whether it's drugs or, you know, stuff like that. Like yeah. people in the wrong violence or, yeah. so I think it's twofold. If you're, if you're young, um, be courageous and speak to somebody mm -hmm. and let that habit form. And I think you're going to, you slowly, slowly, but surely you're going to find a situation that you're going to like and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And if you're an adult and if you have kids, just don't, don't make your love something that your kid has to earn. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah. very important. Thanks for sharing that. And I think, yeah, as parents, we need to be mindful of that. And Cause I think our kids might be scared even talking about it and they probably view us as, adults and assume we never went through it um but it's important to remind them of um of the the importance of speaking about it and and i think bullying also has evolved now it's like social media it's uh other forms of technology that didn't exist when we were kids and it's almost like it can all follow you around forever whereas at least for us when we went home we were we were able to escape from it in a way yeah, you're right. It's definitely worse. It's definitely a lot worse. The anxiety that I see in young people today because of things like social media is like, and this is like a whole other podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but you know, uh, I, I'll close on saying that um, my wife and I, we recently got involved in a company called Anata, and it's uh, one of the main uh, key components of it is. Uh, a festival, which is a music and wellness festival. Yeah. It's a nonprofit called Anata Fest. It's a nonprofit uh, company where we're hoping to kind of raise awareness and funds around um, being able to go into schools, uh, teach kids how to 
you know, manage anxiety with, with breath techniques through, through yoga, through talking, communicating, uh, you know, and, and kind of like bring more awareness um, to, to them and to their teachers as well. So like it kind of circles back to what you were saying in the beginning. It's like, we want to develop and help develop these programs um, to kind of educate the school systems and the stakeholders there so that people are, can kind of have a little bit more empathy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. And, uh, so you can check that out on uh, anathafest.com. It's a music and wellness festival. It's been happening since 2019 here in uh, Montreal. Cool. Yeah, no, definitely. I'll put it in the show notes and definitely check it out myself. Um, and that's amazing stuff that you and your wife are doing. And thanks for sharing that. And thank you for coming on, Name. I, I really, really appreciate it. I uh, appreciate your patience. Um, we've had some technical issues along the way, but we, we made it. And uh, I guess for listeners that want to get a hold of you or, or find you online, especially uh, if they want to learn more about the work you're doing, what are some ways they can do that, whether it's social media or other forms? Uh, yeah, other I mean, um, my website, naeemadam.com is probably the best way. And I reply everybody, anybody, uh, whether you're a kid or, you know, um, so as long as you're not a robot. <laughs> Uh, so you can reach out to me uh, there and all my, all my, you know, ventures are kind of listed there as well. And um, I just want to say back to you Furkan, like it was, uh, it's amazing to hear back from you. Um, I knew you would come, you know, you would do great things uh, to see like, kind of like, you know, we kind of lost touch for, for a little bit and then to kind of see you pop out now. Um, it's really cool. Uh, I'm really happy that, uh, you've come to this place, you've accomplished so much, um, you know, and as a father too, you seem like to, to have like a really good, uh, you know, relationship with your kid. And like, uh, I think that's beautiful. So uh, good, good job on you as well. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that very much. Um, it means a lot. So, and, and thanks again for doing this. Um, this is amazing. And we'll be in touch. And hopefully, uh, we'll continue to, to do other collaborations here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a real pleasure. That's the end of the episode. Thank you again for tuning in and until next week.